An employment contract actually is something that will cancel out at will. The opposite of an at will employment relationship is a contracted employment relationship. That's Vicki Brown, a seasoned HR professional with a passion for helping entrepreneurs succeed. She has extensive experience in HR management, strategy, and transformation across diverse industries. You are listening to Dear Human Resources, and I'm your host, Marilyn Germain. In this show, Vicky talks about debunking common at-will employment misconceptions. Good to have you on the show, Vicky. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be here. So for our listeners who may not be in the field of HR or the legal field, can you tell us what is commonly referred to as at-will employment? Absolutely. Well, the key to it really is the phrase at will. And that means that the employment relationship is at the will of both the employee and the employer, meaning that they have either party has the option to discontinue that relationship at any time without basically jumping through a lot of hoops. So that actually is the definition of what at will is. And I'll take a moment here and just say, I also want to be very clear, I am not an attorney. I have been in human resources for a very long time, but there may be times throughout the discussion today that I do refer your listeners to speak with employment counsel because I just want to be sure that everyone knows we're not giving legal advice, but we are giving advice based on the interactions that I've had for, well, more years than I care to admit on podcast. Understood. So, Vicky, you say that there are several misconceptions about at-will employment doctrine. What are these misconceptions we're talking about? Well, I think the thing that happens most often is I'll have a client come to me and say, well, I can terminate so-and-so because we're in at-will state, so I don't have to do anything. I don't have to tell her anything. I can just let Vicky go because we're in at-will state. And while that in a narrow definition is true. The only state in the nation that specifically is not an at-will state is Montana, oddly. But you can terminate someone who is at will for any reason or no reason, except that there are some protections that are put in place. So you can't wrongfully terminate someone, or should I say, someone can actually take action, legal action against you if they determine or they feel that they've been wrongfully terminated. And wrongful termination means that you're violating that person's rights, the employee's rights, or you're violating employment laws. A good example of that would be the anti-discrimination guidelines. So all of a sudden you're terminating all of the women in uh, the females in your company, then, and retaining all of the males, then that could point toward a discriminatory practice. So that would be illegal. You also can't do things that would otherwise be protected. So it's called public policy exception. And many states, a good example of that would be that a lot of states have guidelines that you can't do things like terminate someone because they filed a workers' compensation claim, for instance, or if they, if you give them an order that they feel violates the law and they refuse to follow it, and then you terminate them. So that would be a conflict with public policy. 
So you can't terminate someone for that reason. You also wouldn't, um, even though it's an at-will state, you also can't terminate someone if they're, and this is in most states, if there's an implied contract between you and the employee. Now, an implied contract is really interesting because we as employers can fall into an implied contract situation without even knowing it. It means that the employee expects a fixed term or an indefinite employment, and that can be based on something that you've said or done. And honestly, that's the reason that HR professionals try to steer employers away from saying things like, welcome to the family, or I'm sure you're going to be with us for a long time. Statements like that can really be construed to be an implied contract. So we try to be very careful about that and make sure that the statement, this is an at-will employment relationship, is in as many documents as we can possibly get it in. You made some great points. How can these misconceptions you've just listed be debunked? I think that for employers, and I apologize to all of the employers and entrepreneurs out there because I know running a business means that you are wearing a thousand hats and trying to keep up with a hundred thousand guidelines and regulations. But it really is important when you have a team that you stay on top of where the employment laws have specific requirements for the employer. And honestly, you're probably not able to do that by yourself. You can't spend 24-7 looking at human resources guidelines. So it really is important to have someone solid in your corner, an HR consultant, an HR department, or your employment counsel, and that you stay in touch with them because they will let you know when something new is happening, or if you're about to take an action that might put you in a difficult position. And then there are big ticket items like updating your handbook. If you're going to do that, definitely don't do that yourself. Definitely don't get a copy of a handbook off the internet, change the title, and feel like it's going to be perfect for your needs. Those kinds of things can inadvertently put you in a position that can be very problematic for your company. So it's always best to don't be uh, penny wise and pound foolish, as my mother used to say. Make sure that you really are working with someone who is well-versed in employment guidelines and can give you help that will ensure that you don't find yourself in a difficult spot later on. Vicky, that was the best advertisement for the hiring of <laughs> HR professionals. <laughs> Thank you. So <laughs> what is the role of HR in debunking these misconceptions? I mean, you mentioned updating, making sure the employee handbook is updated, right? Mm -hmm. So what else could HR do to help debunk the uh, misconceptions about at will doctrine? Sure. There are a couple of inflection points that are really important. One, obviously, is when you're hiring a new employee. And all of those new hire documents, the offer letter, the um, calling the offer letter an employment contract. I have clients do that a lot. They'll say, oh, I'm, I have a new hire and I'm going to go ahead and send them a contract. And I try to be very clear because an employment contract actually is something that will cancel out at will. The opposite of an at will employment relationship is a contracted employment relationship. And you're going to reserve, I would think, your employment contracts, which say we can only terminate you for these specific reasons, and you have to stay with us and you can only leave for these specific reasons, you're really going to hang on to employment contracts and not give them to everyone in your organization. 
you really want to reserve them for your C-suite and other individuals that you want to ensure will stay with the organization for a specified period of time. And the um, flip side of that, of course, is that as the employer, you're going to pay for that. You're saying, I'm going to employ you for two years or three years or four years, and I commit to paying you for that period of time. So employment contracts wipe out at will, but they also are more restrictive as far as the employment relationship is concerned. So I try to make sure that our clients are really clear that you're not giving an employment contract, you're giving an offer letter. And an offer letter just confirms the terms of the offer. So you're going to work at this job, at this title, reporting to this person in this location for this amount of money. And this is at will. And this is one of those things that you have to be really careful about when you're looking at new hire documents. You're going to want at will liberally sprinkled throughout all of the documentation. So your policy handbook is going to say this is not a contract and does not cancel out at will. Your offer letter is going to say your employment is at will. So you're going to reinforce that many, many times in the new hire documentation. The other time that it happens is, as I mentioned, when managers particularly, it doesn't happen as much at the top of the organization, because I think senior leadership probably has access and thinks about these things more often, but the hiring manager or the supervisor may inadvertently say something during an interview or as they're talking to their new employee. Another big one is people use the term probation. You're on probation for the first 30 days, so I can terminate you at any time in that 30-day period. And they're actually, again, I'm not an attorney, but there have been situations where someone has argued that once I made it through the probationary period, I'm now guaranteed a position because I made it through probation. So that's when your HR person is keeping his or her ears and eyes wide open to make sure that you understand it and hopefully doing some training with management to make sure that they understand where those inflection points are that can get you in a little bit of trouble. The other thing is then HR is going to come behind you and provide documentation that just reinforces over and over again that anything that's been delivered verbally is non-binding. And the only thing that is now binding is this written offer letter or this written handbook, that kind of thing. Well, for our listeners who are not familiar with the Outwell Doctrine, I'm sure they've learned quite a bit here uh, from what you've said. Now, I don't expect you to tell the future, Vicky, but do you think the Outwell Doctrine will continue to be used by employers? I mean, listening to you, I'm thinking about millennials and Gen Z employees who are much more willing to leave an employer compared to their older counterparts. So I can see some pros, evidently, but what a few cons in using at-will employment. Do you think it's a sound strategy for organizations in the long run? I actually think it is. The reason that at will is beneficial for both parties is because it offers the maximum amount of flexibility, both for the employer and the employee. And you're absolutely right. We're in an environment, I'm a little long in the tooth. So I remember when people stayed at their position for, you know, 20 years or 25 years, <laughs> got the watch and, <laughs> and then retired. 
And that simply is not the world that we live in any longer. Employers are not necessarily keeping employees for the entirety of that person's career. Employees are looking for flexible and varied career experiences. So there is a lot more mobility and movement happening in the employment arena. And I think that the desire for that flexibility and that movement is only going to grow with the employees of, you know, the 21st century, I'll say. They certainly want to be able to have an experience that, you know, there's a startup up the street and that looks like a really great opportunity. And so I'm going to go and work with them for a while without being locked into a contract with their current employer. I I think you're making a very good point, which is it's not one-sided. You know, the at-will also works for employees who can say, hey, I'm done working for you. I'm not interested in coming back next week. And they have the right to do that thanks to the at-will employment doctrine. So I think it's really important to understand that it does work both ways. You're absolutely right. And it is, you know, the unfortunate part of that is you can let them go at any point for any reason or no reason. They can leave at any point for any reason or no reason. So, you know, you might get two weeks notice, you might get two minutes notice, you don't know. So that flexibility that it gives both parties is beneficial and sometimes challenging. But I think the challenges, I think both parties are willing to accept the challenges because it gives maximum flexibility. Certainly on the employer side, it offers maximum flexibility around budgetary situations. So Perhaps your cash flow situation has changed. One client left that is a large part of your revenue, and you have to look at the workforce and perhaps either downsize or limit hours for a particular position. As an employer in an at-will state, you have the flexibility to do that. Now, there are stipulations around if you're going to do a reduction in force. There are the WARN Acts and things of that nature. And I'm not going to get into the HR alphabet soup, but uh, again, contact your HR uh, specialist or your labor attorney. But you still have the maximum flexibility to do that versus being bound by a contract. So that's why I don't really see at will, I don't see the concept uh, stopping anytime soon. If anything, I think it probably will be expanded a bit. And I do have to say that I think that employees certainly welcome as much protection around their employment as possible. So things like the implied contract and the public policy exception and wrongful termination, those things give the employee, there was one that actually I didn't mention called the covenant of good faith exception. And that basically means that your employer can't terminate you if they do so in bad faith or it's motivated by malice. And those kinds of things offer a nice layer of protection to the employee, even though they're at will. It says, look, you're at will, you can leave anytime, I can terminate you anytime, but I can't behave in a way that will be discriminatory or harassing or retaliate against you. And you know, I think personally, I think that's good for both parties. I think you're making a good point here. However, you know, it's very difficult in some instances to prove a discrimination case, uh, to find evidence and support and find a claim with the EEOC or based on discrimination. It's really hard 
mm-hmm. to make a case that you've been discriminated against. So anyway, you know, it's a total different discussion. Also, <laughs> I think I, I'm curious to see what this resurgence in, in union membership uh, will do to such things such as the at-will doctrine and employment contracts. I was born in, in Paris. I've been here mm-hmm. for almost 30 years. But in Europe, the employment contracts are much more non-breachable. And mm-hmm. there's a lot more responsibility on the employer's side. You can't just fire anyone for any reason. And so employees feel a little more secure in their job, that they're not going to be fired uh, from one day to the next. So there are pros and cons for both. It's interesting. They're definitely culturally centered, you know, if you think of the, the right. employment relationship in Europe and employment relationship here is in, in the US, which is a much more capitalist uh, continent. <laughs> right. so, anyway, right. very and interesting. Actually, you, if I may, you bring up an excellent point around unions, because that is another situation where that overrides at will. So if you have a collective bargaining agreement, mm-hmm. then there are very specific guidelines That's around right. how and under what circumstances you can terminate an employee. So I think the wave of union activity that's happening does offer an additional layer of protection for the employees because it really does kind of fly in the face of at will. So that is very interesting. And I know that uh, we've had clients in England, for instance, and I know that if you're trying to do a reduction in force or you have redundancies, it's a process. It's a significantly more involved process than it would be in the States to execute on that redundancy. So I know what you mean. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to add before we finish this podcast? Um, I would just say that, well, first of all, thank you again for the invitation because I've had a great chat. And also, in order to provide a little more support to your listeners, if they feel that that would be helpful, we have a gift. It is, they can get it by using the link morehumanmoreresources.info slash podcast gift. And I'll go ahead and give you that information so it can go in the show notes. But it's an overview and a workflow of getting through things like the new hire process, the termination process, etc. So hopefully that will be helpful. Very generous of you, Vicky. Thank you. And thanks for your insights. It was really, really interesting having you on the show. Oh, well, thank you so much again for the invitation. It's been a great chat. Support for this show comes from Western Carolina University, a campus of the University of North Carolina system, with the technical assistance of Kelly Minnis.